0: Welcome to the Clergy Wellness Podcast. I'm Rev. Nicole Riley, a clergy coach who helps you do one of the most important jobs there is without losing yourself. This is Season 2, Episode 7, The Power of Getting Outside. If you are a new listener, welcome, and if you're a regular listener, I would sure appreciate your taking a moment to do a review of this podcast. That's actually how people find us. And we haven't had a review in a while, so if you're a regular listener, I would sure appreciate it. Today, we will also do a wellness practice of the week, what is making this week good, and a mindfulness meditation moment. So let's go ahead and jump in. This last week, I was thinking about the pastor... Of my church when I was in college. His name was Reverend Chuck Rose, and this was at Belmont Heights United Methodist Church in Long Beach, California. I didn't grow up as a United Methodist. I grew up in another denomination, but became a United Methodist when I was in college, and Chuck was my pastor. And I was thinking about him, and I was thinking about how different pastoral ministry was then than it is now. Now, of course it is. The world has changed a lot in those years. And I was really reflecting on how a lot of the things that I spend time on as a pastor were things that really were not part of his life at all. I mean, he of course didn't have a computer or smartphone. He didn't have email or Facebook. And because of that, He didn't spend a lot of time on something I spend a lot of time on, screens. Do you spend a lot of time on your screens? Here are some specifics about how much time we spend on screens. This comes from exploringtopics.com. And it says, Average Screen Time Statistics for 2023. Globally, people average 6 hours and 58 minutes of screen time per day. Daily screen time has increased by nearly 50 minutes. The average American spends 7 hours and 4 minutes looking at screens each day. South Africans spent 10 hours and 46 minutes on screens. Almost half, 49%, of zero to two-year-olds interact with smartphones. And Gen Z averages around nine hours of screen time each day. Now, when we talk about screen time, we're talking about a lot of different things. We're talking about TV, we're talking about videos, we're talking about gaming and social media, we're talking about websites and podcasts and video chatting and a whole lot more. I am not a ludite—that that is someone opposed to new ways of working. In fact, I've often been an early subscriber to a lot of technology. I love my screens, but it's summer and I'm trying to work a bit less and all of that has got me thinking about how easy it is, even when I'm trying to work less, to fall into still a lot of screen time. Or if I'm not doing screen time, you know, cleaning the house or organizing files when What I'm missing is the summer and what is right outside my door. So today I want to talk about the power of getting outside, and I want to talk about it in three different ways. First, I want to talk about the power of nature for our well-being. And then I want to talk about the need to connect with people outside of our churches. And then I want to end up talking about the fun we can have during this time of the year with those we work alongside if we will get out of the building and have some fun. My hope is that this episode will help you think a little differently. will help you take a little bit of a deep breath and look around you and and see what you might do this time of the year. Uh, You may be like me, a serious clergy type who's always working to get ahead and get things done. Um, if you're like me, then summer can be an excuse, a, uh, a get out of jail free card kind of thing. Um, maybe you are someone who's more balanced with this already. So if that's you, good for you. I hope, though, that will explore some things that'll get you thinking today as well. So let's start by talking about the glories of nature. When was the last time that you spent time outside? Now, It could be a hike, sure, but it could also be a visit to a local botanical gardens or some time in the backyard sitting in a chair. Maybe you are fortunate to have a big shade tree at your house or a hammock. Maybe you have a path that's a wandering path not too far from you that you can walk around on or maybe there's a pool in your community. You may live, of course, somewhere where the summers are not the greatest time of the year. I think there's lots of us who live in places that summer's hot. And so when we get outside, it needs to happen in the morning or the evening. Or maybe you live someplace where there's bugs. (laughs) Or maybe your garden is such a mess that going outside just makes you feel a little discouraged. As we talk about going outside today in the glories of nature, no one has a perfect situation. I mean, I have a pool, which I love, but it seems that there's a lot of little tiny bugs in it this year. And the bees seem to just love to buzz above my head, which always worries me with curly hair that they're going to get tangled in there and I'm going to get in trouble. My garden, it also needs some major attention. It's that time of the year where things are needing to be pulled out. There's a lot of fertilizing and weeding that needs to do, and I let my subscription to the local botanical gardens expire. So I have, like I'm going to guess many of us, reasons why screens and the indoors are easier. But if you want to grow in your wellness, here's some things to know. This comes from an article by Annie Chow, and it's about the important benefits that nature has on our mental health. And it was published May 9th, 2023. She writes this, making time to be outdoors produces many benefits for your mental health, such as, reduced stress, reduced anxiety, improved mood, improved creativity, improved attention span, feeling calmer and more refreshed. In addition to your mental health, your physical health can also improve. She says it can improve your heart rate, can reduce your blood pressure, reduce muscle muscle tension, and reduce production of stress hormones. She goes on to write, if you struggle with depression and or anxiety, studies have shown that spending time outdoors can help balance negative emotions. For example, someone struggling with an overactive mind caused by anxiety can find relief in nature and feel refreshed afterward. In addition, there is a book called The Nature Fix. And in that book, there's a lot of talk about how just five minutes in a forest can change so many things in your body. That nature itself makes us more human, that the smell of pine strengthens our immune system, that nature can calm us down while also helps us be more alert, and that in a 90 minute walk, problems fade and we become more connected to others. I like that, I think that's helpful. She talks a lot in her book about go outside, go often, and breathe. In the book, Losing Eden, Why Our Minds Need the Wild, author Lucy Jones writes that the lack of engagement and connection with nature has triggered a global mental health crisis. Science chimes in with some studies and lists some things that nature can do for us, uplifting that city dwellers have increased chronic inflammation and that a common bacteria found in soil increases our serotonin levels and prevents stress. I mean, I know as someone who always spent the day after Easter in the garden that the smell of that dirt seemed to do me a lot of good. A recent UK study showed that three out of four children aged five to 12 spend less time outdoors than prison inmates who are required by the United Nations to get at least one hour of exercise outside every day. Other studies show that nature's multi-sensory stimulation restores our mind, our nervous system, our immune system. In other words, studies continue to show that connection between the natural world and flourishing. I think many of us are aware that there are less green spaces in less affluent communities. Access to green spaces often falls along socioeconomic lines, and this affects the health of people. Rich Mitchell of Glasgow University says that greener neighborhoods could reduce the health gap between the rich and the poor and move society toward greater equality. So there's a lot of science We are happier and healthier and more connected and more centered when we spend time in nature. So, how much time do you think you're currently spending outside? And what would you like to tweak? How much more would you like to spend? Just even maybe today or this week? Here's what I am learning. Connecting to the outdoors can look all kinds of ways. It can be a night outside at a concert. Or an hour reading a book in a beautiful place. It can be a walk down by the water, or a cup of coffee enjoyed while looking out the window at a beautiful tree. I am going to the mountains for a week next month, and I plan to walk, but probably what I'll do more is just look out the window and let my soul catch up with my body. So getting outside is good for you. And just take whatever step is next to increase that part of your wellness. So number one, getting outside is good for you. Number two, getting outside is also good for meeting new people. Now, if you're a pastor, it's easy to fall into connecting with the people who just come to church on Sunday. People who stop by the office, people who um, come to church on Sunday. And maybe if you do get out, you're going to visit people who are already connected to the church. Don't fall into this trap. The church can be very busy, it's a very demanding place, and so it's easy to spend all of our time there, but don't do it. In each church I've served, I found a lot of wealth and benefit and help for myself when I have connected with people outside of the church. Sometimes this has brought new people to the church, but sometimes the only benefit has been for me, because I've gotten to meet some new, interesting people. So, how do you find new people? How do you connect with people outside of the church? I always went with finding a group that I could connect with. Now, for me, that has been things like a newcomer's group. They used to call them Welcome Wagon. Maybe in some areas of the country, they're still called that. At my last appointment, I was part of a newcomer's group for two years. It only shut down with COVID. I met a lot of new people, including people who had actually left the church because the church had had too much turnover in pastors, so it was a great opportunity to connect with them and to welcome them back. I also found a book club, and that met in the neighborhood by the church. It was a group of professional women about my age, and I found it on the app Nextdoor. I also joined a gym, and I went for a weekly lunchtime yoga class. That enabled me to connect with some of the same people each week. And eventually, I moved over to a gym that was just all yoga and started attending the same classes there regularly so I could meet new people. I don't think it matters what you do. Just pick something and meet people outside the church. And of course, I know this takes a lot of energy. It takes energy to make connections with people. And I, I would say that's one reason why I love the book club as much as I did, because It was a month after month thing, and I got to know those people and their families in a really easy way. It's harder in a class to strike up conversation and and feel out when it's the right time to grab a cup of coffee with someone new. It's a lot easier in a group you're meeting with monthly. I'll admit I'm not always comfortable meeting new people. Sometimes it takes a lot of energy. So something that's ongoing where things could develop over time was a better fit for me. Other groups include a biking group, a mom's group, a senior center group. A local city government often has ways of connecting. Cooking groups. Specialty gyms like CrossFit or Orange Theory Fitness. Meetup groups. Dog groups. Bowling. Groups that relate to a cause you care about, like groups of parents and others who are supportive and allies of LGBTQI. Dad's groups and so much more. So that's one piece of it. I think another piece of it is if you live in a community where your churches go to the local businesses, shop there, introduce yourself, go to the same places as much as you can at the same time and the same day. Get to know the checker in the grocery store. Get to build relationships. Also, work outside one afternoon at a local coffee shop or bakery and introduce yourself and get to know people. Get outside the church and meet people. It's actually pretty fun. <laughs> so, getting outside in nature is good for you. And then second, getting outside and meeting new people is good for you and good for them. And third, having fun with your staff and or leadership outside the church is a real game changer. You know, many times we connect to our staff and the leadership at the church at the church. But it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, building in some rituals and traditions can help. So going out for lunch together to celebrate staff birthdays and anniversaries having a spring party after Easter and a party after Christmas or right around the holidays, taking time in the summer to have a backyard barbecue, all these things do wonders to build morale and connection. People who like each other want to hang out together, and people who hang out together learn to have fun together, and having fun together makes ministry so much better. I have shared that I don't really cook, but that hasn't stopped me from throwing a ton of parties over my ministry. Some were food that I got at Costco already prepared. Others were potlucks where I asked some people to help with food. Sometimes my husband did the cooking, and sometimes I just focused on doing things around desserts. I really think that one of the big reasons the churches that I served grew were because people enjoyed each other. And they learn to enjoy each other by having parties together. Seriously. A little side note, I had uh, one church that I served at. When I got there, they had very little community for a variety of reasons. People just seemed to come on Sunday morning and then get in their car and leave. And so my first Sunday there, I stood at the door, you know, and I greeted the people. And When I got to the end of the line, I saw that I was actually one of the last people at the church No one had stayed afterward just to hang out. So to build community, we ended up adding a lunch following that worship service. And we grew to do different connections with people, with home study groups and all kinds of things. I also found a couple people who knew how to throw parties. (laughs) And that helped a lot and made it so I had a team. So how can you have a get together outside of church and just have some fun? Who can help you make this happen people love parties they love reasons to celebrate so don't skimp on them i got a a text from one of my favorite pastors michelle this week and she was talking about how they had had aloha sunday and i want to share that one with you because this is an easy no-brainer um, in the methodist church we do a uh, change of pastors the first week in july And so many years ago, probably like 20 years ago, I started doing a thing called Aloha Sunday. And so that was the first or second week in July. And that was to either welcome the pastors back for another year or to welcome your new pastors. And the idea is we'd serve some kind of Hawaiian food. So that just could be as simple as popsicles, if you like. Um, and we invited people to wear Hawaiian clothing and we gave out those silk lays, and just had some fun. People love to show up for that. They love to have fun with that. It's an easy one to do. So (laughs) getting outside is good for you. Getting outside is good for meeting new people and having fun with your staff or leadership outside the church makes a huge difference. I share these with you for a little change of pace to help you be thinking about things maybe a little differently than we normally talk about on our podcast together. But I think that if you pick any one of these and just take a next step, it will make a huge difference in your ministry and your enjoyment of this year. So what's your next step? What do you want to try? wellness practice of the week. This is where I share something you can do this week to increase your wellness. And I think our whole episode today was about a wellness practice. You know, any of the three I shared are things you could try out to increase your wellness this week and all of them would help. But I'll share one additional one that I'm just thinking about a lot because it's a warm July day for me. And I am enjoying uh, fruit. Fruit is filled with good things, my friends, vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and fiber and all are good for you and your wellness. So whether you get to the farmer's market or you go to your local grocery store or like me, you just have things delivered, grab some peaches and watermelon and strawberries and cherries. They're a great addition to your wellness. I am a big fan of grilled fruit. I love grilled pineapple and I love grilled peaches. I think one year for my birthday, that's what we had instead of cake. Grilled peaches and a little bit of ice cream or yogurt. My friend Molly, she makes shrubs where she takes fresh fruit that's maybe a little extra ripe and uses that as a puree along with some vinegar to do a special summer drink. We talked about that, I think, in our second or third episode last year. I also love, and I totally haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to be doing it, making fruit kebabs. You know, you take your regular kebab sticks and you put different kinds of fruit on it. It looks great and it tastes amazing. So summer fruit, a great wellness practice for your week. What is making this week good? This is the part of the episode where I talk about what I am enjoying with the hope that you will enjoy something in your week as well. Um, I will uh, confess that I have a pile in the closet of things that need to be mended. I had a sweater that had a huge hole in it. I had some jeans that were too long. And a couple other things. And I have done absolutely nothing about this for, I don't know, maybe six months or longer. But I bought a couple new dresses. And when I got them, I loved them. But they were too long and they were cut too low. Even with the little tank under it, I was like, this looks ridiculous. So I decided that this was going to be the thing that was going to push me over the edge. And I was going to get my act together. And I was going to take them to the local seamstress. Now, in my mind, this is hard to do because it just seems very confusing to me. I mean, how short do I really want this dress? How do I figure out how it's supposed to look here or there? And I also think, you know, I took sewing in fourth grade. I should know how to do this myself. But I have to admit that when I do try to fix things, sometimes they look okay and sometimes they do not. So I took three dresses and a sweater to a professional seamstress this last week and I cannot tell you how much better they look. I didn't want to spend that money, but I am really glad I did. I'm going to get a lot more wear out of all of those things. So having a professional deal with something that you're not dealing with, even if maybe you could, is what is making this Weak, good. Mindfulness meditation. This is where we take a moment to be a little more present, to be a little more grounded in our day. And so, what I invite you to do is to take a moment and become more present in whatever way works best for you. That might be to relax, take a deep breath, let your shoulders fall. Maybe just move your head from side to side. If you're driving, one of the great things to do is just to notice what's around you. To just tune into it for a minute. And I invite you to remember who you are. You are God's beloved. And remember in whose image and likeness you are created. You are created in the image and likeness of God. We are using this mindful time to read through the beautiful book, Radiant Rainbows, by Jessica Swift, and her chapter today is called Listening. She writes, May your heart be your guide. May your loving inner voice speak louder and more persuasively than the voice of fear. May you hear the words within that lift you up and dismiss the ones that don't. May the beautiful truth of who you really are resonate and hum deep within you. No, that's a good one. Let's read it again. May your heart be your guide. May your loving inner voice speak louder and more pervasively than the voice of fear. May you hear the words within that lift you up and dismiss the ones that don't. And may the beautiful truth of who you really are resonate and hum deep within you. That is from Jessica Swift's book, Radiant Rainbows. May you know these words and may they give you life. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. I invite you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Please, please rate the podcast. Follow me on Instagram and on Facebook at Nicole Riley Coaching and find out how to work with me as a coach at NicoleRiley.com. If you're interested in taking some next steps in social media, you might want to check out my book, Expanding the Expedition Through Digital Ministry. You'll find that at Amazon. And today I invite you to make the important choice to embrace a life of wellness. See you next week.